HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are so excited to have an all-new episode of Snacky Tunes. For you today, we are actually going all the way to Europe for both of our guests. And first up, we have our dear friend, past guest, Marianne Fabre-Lavin, co-founder of Soleil Wine. You may remember her from when she was on a decade ago, talking about Sud de France. And we chat with her about growing up in the Mediterranean Sea, cooking with her grandma, her new wine company, and how the company is helping turn beaches cleaner and the world a little bit more delicious. And then we are going to Greece to talk with California artist Sonny and the Sunsets about his new album, Self-Awareness Through Macrame. We talk about growing up in Bovinas, California, the undercurrent of California itself, and turning ideas in the ether into art and new music. It's a great episode. We're excited that you're here with us on a Sunday or whenever you're tuning in to Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I was digging into the archives and realized we had you on for the first time 10 years ago when we were babies. So welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Darren. I'm so honored and so pleased to to be uh, invited uh, to uh, Snacky Tunes. I love Snacky Tunes again to talk about play. Yes, and we love having you here. Now, I know you're coming from... Paris, but I want to go back to where you grew up, uh, which is this region of southern France along the Mediterranean, which sounds dreamy and idyllic. And just for as long as you want, tell me about the food and what you ate and drank growing up, because just take me there right now on a on an overcast gray day in L.A. Oh, yes. It will be my pleasure. <laughs> well, indeed, uh, as you said, uh, I grew up in southern France uh, in the Languedoc, um, around Montpellier and Narbonne, uh, for the people who are in the know. Mm-hmm. And it's a region with such diverse and striking natural beauty. You have Gulf Flats, you have marshlands in the Camargue, you have uh, sandy beaches um, on the coastline, on the Mediterranean, and uh, and uh, food and wine, not as a kid, but <laughs> <laughs> was at the, at the center of everything social uh, in my childhood. So, uh, so I, I guess that uh, I was I was uh, first uh, initiated from an early age by uh, by my parents, especially my grandmother, who was a fantastic cook. Uh, she would take me every Sunday to Leal. It's a covered mm-hmm. market. It's one of the most beautiful uh, markets uh, in southern France. Um, and we would we'd go and meet with uh, all the shop owners and we would buy uh, all sorts of meat and vegetable and fresh seafood. Uh, and that was a dream. Then uh, we would go back to uh, to her place and spend hours together in the kitchen. So she was give, she was giving me uh, small jobs, but they were they were uh, incredible, like you know, like uh, getting uh, the size of the French green beans, uh, 
and uh, and other very uh, interesting tasks. <laughs> and what, so her her um, her specialty, the dishes that she preferred to cook. Uh, I mean, there were numerous, of but. Course. I can give you, you know, like the top three. Uh, she was uh, mastering the art of cooking cassoulet. Mm. That was so good. Uh, she was also uh, uh, often cooking uh, quails with, mm. uh, with ham, and uh, she would put juniper berries in it. Those were absolutely delicious. Uh, and uh, she also loved cooking lentils with mm. sausages. It's a very local dish too. Uh, you have um, several sorts of meat in that dish. So all of this doesn't sound very many. No, 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 no. It sounds amazing. And, <laughs> and I get it. Yes. I mean, it sounds like the time and the slowness of the dish and what it takes to prepare and cook. Uh, aligns with like a slower pace of life in the Mediterranean. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, uh, there were there were always fresh vegetables and fruit mm. on the table. Uh, that's a given because uh, because you know orchards and uh, vegetable veggie gardens in southern France um, are abundant. And depending on the season, you can have. Uh, amazing, amazing produce. So I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually going back to Narbonne uh, this week, and I was there last week, uh, and I had fantastic ripe figs. Mm. Absolutely wonderful, and um, it, and of course, you know, like uh, in two colors, the green and mm-hmm. uh, and um, they're violet but i guess like black figs yeah oh we call them very very sweet very aromatic uh i love this season i love this season too now i know in addition to food being a part of your growing up that your family has also had a vineyard since the 19th century um and obviously not as a baby but you definitely grew in to the lifestyle of vinters and, and winemakers and things like that. Um, what was it like to have that running through your blood? Uh, and did you realize that was something unique or did everyone just have a vineyard when you were growing up? Uh, it is not uncommon in Southern France to have a family <laughs> who, <laughs> who has a vineyard, <laughs> course, you know, especially uh, especially in the Languedoc because it's the largest wine-producing region in the world. Also, the leader in uh, side note, also a leader in organic wine uh, production. Uh, so, so yes, indeed, my uh, my grandparents and their parents uh, before them uh, had vineyards in a village called Sijon. It's beautiful. Mm. It's by the Mediterranean, uh, and um, my grandfather was a doctor, so he was not the one. Uh, cultivating the vineyard, but he had help and, uh, and he loved doing it. He was, um, he, he loved the chemistry of uh, winemaking, mm. uh, and he especially loved to make his own fortified wine, 
with uh, Grenache grapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, my mother is a pharmacist, and she wrote her thesis in enology, uh, a topic she uh, she truly understood. And um, and yes, I was born into the world of wine, and I was you know surrounded with like objects like you know like uh, uh, wine vats and tools that you use for um, for winemaking uh, always. Uh, but it's only later in life that I decided to work in the wine industry. Um, and um, anyway, yeah, I wanted to, uh, you know, finally, like, uh, go back to my roots and, and wanted to put my knowledge and skills to good use uh, in the communication field, promoting mm-hmm. wine beginning uh white regions as you know yes yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Like back in the day with the sud de france uh, office in new york mm-hmm. uh, sure of uh of my uh my region i mean you and your co-founder thomas actually grew up together and you you you've definitely become these in, well, i mean i won't say unofficial but these ambassadors to france and this mediterranean lifestyle like why do you two love shining a spotlight on this region beyond just being from there? Like, what do you think it could teach the rest of the world about how to live and its approach to life? Uh, what I love about uh, this region uh, is that it is very laid back. Mm. Uh, it's very beautiful. You have a lot of uh, pristine landscape uh, everywhere you go. Very diverse too. You know, as I were, as I was saying a little bit earlier, um, and it's away from the crowds. Also, you can be away from the crowds because uh, often when tourists uh, visit France, they go to the French Riviera or Paris, naturally, Normandy and other places. They don't necessarily think uh, of, uh, of uh, the Languedoc. It's, uh, it's a destination for, uh, for people who, uh, who are in the know Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, it really deserves uh, a visit. It's uh, it's truly, truly magnificent, and and you have a lot of historical sites too. It's not only it's not only nature, amazing cuisine, and and also on average, it's it's uh, way less expensive than the French Riviera would be. So uh, so and it's the same for the wine, and they're you know like of equivalent quality anyway. So. You're sold. <laughs> I'm sold. I mean, listen, you don't have to twist my arm to go anywhere in France. Um, so, you know, listen, given, you know, that you know so much about France and you, you know, Thomas as well, you could have really picked any region. Obviously, it's a great story the way it's coming from the region that you're from, of where you're getting your grapes and the juice and everything like that. But when you started thinking about making your own wine how much of it were you tapping into the family tradition how much did you want to have your own innovation you know what was the most important things when you two started talking about creating you know soleil so uh i i love the wines from southern france i love uh, i love the grape varieties from southern france so when when uh, we decided to embark on this project, also with uh, my husband, who's our third partner, Nicolas, uh, we wanted to uh, to create um, wines that 
were typical from that region, but without, without having the constraints uh, imposed by appellations, it's mm. great. I think, you know, it, it really has, a, um, you know, like a, a, there, it, it is important to, uh, to uh, preserve uh, traditions, but we wanted to be very creative with the blends. We wanted to use Mediterranean grapes, but we wanted to have our own recipe. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, you you can tell that they're from there, but they're our our recipe. So it's uh, it's sold as a vin de France. Mm-hmm. We knew we wanted to include a large proportion of Picpoul. Uh, Picpoul is uh, one of my favorite varieties, and uh, and a match made in heaven with uh, oysters. Lots <laughs> of shellfish. You have you have a lot of oyster spa- oyster parks in uh, in southern France. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for Le Blanc, a white. Um, it also has Terre Blanc, which is a cousin of the Picpoul, and a little bit of Uni Blanc. You tasted it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's delicious. No, it's great. Uh, thank you. And uh, and uh, yeah, it's very popular. Uh, it's very popular in the UK, uh, Picpoul. So it's all, uh, the appellation is always like sold out of this wines. I think it's having a moment. Like people are are really like seeking wines made with uh, with Picpoul because it's so fresh. There, there's this salinity that is uh, that is fantastic. Uh, and that you find in, you know, not so many wines. So then, uh, of course, we're from southern France. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We, we've been drinking rosé for decades. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and we wanted to make the rosé we wanted to uh, have at home. Mm. Uh, you know, we, wanted to, we wanted to produce our favorite rosé. And uh, so this one is uh, mostly Grenache Noir because we believe that it is one of the best grapes to use for a rosé wine. It's juicy and we love its ripe red fruit flavors. Um, it, has a, it, has a, it has a good acidity. It's refreshing and, uh, and we sold out, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> So so uh, so yeah so that's for le rosé and uh, for le rouge uh, we wanted something fresh and versatile that you could slightly chill and either serve on its own um, mm-hmm. because it has very supple tannins a good acidity fruit flavors uh, or that you can have with uh, a meal because. Mm-hmm. Because our idea was to uh, to uh, to create a wine we would have fun with that could that we could drink on its own at aperitif time, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my favorite uh, time of the day. <laughs> I too. Uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, apéro and aperitif time, and a little bit of the music that would pair well with this wine. But first we're going to have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are with our good friend, Marianne Farber-Lanvin, co-founder of Soleil Wine. And, you know, what I love about your wine and the story behind it is, is your obvious passion for it. And like the story it's telling is your story and Thomas's story. But story alone is not enough to launch a business. And I'd love to hear a little bit about how you took the idea of having your own wine company and turning it into reality and what those steps look like. So it all started with, uh, with Thomas. Um, he's, he, he works in, uh, in wine as a worker and, uh, and he was, uh, you know, tired of like selling other people's wine only. Sure. <laughs> he wanted to create his own. I also had this idea in the back of my mind. And one day he called me to ask me for advice. And uh, it all started there on, you know, like uh, on the phone. Um, <laughs> talking about, you know, like <laughs> creating a, a new wine, a new uh, wine brand. And uh, that's, you know, it, it was it was a French project. It's a project that uh, we wanted to have fun with. Mm, mm-hmm. you know, like from the design to uh, to the blend to everything. It became a little bit more, it became a little bit more important than we thought it would be mm-hmm. as a French project uh, because it was quite successful from the beginning. And, uh, and... Voila, so we made it work, but we learned so many things. Uh, it was uh, it, w- it was really um, a crash course, you know. Like a, give me one, one of the tougher lessons. One of the tougher lessons: uh, be patient when dealing with administration. Mm, yeah. Especially when you make organic wines, uh, you have to go through. Um, long processes to obtain the certifications and and uh, there are several steps and everything takes a lot of time so uh, so uh, you have to plan ahead <laughs> uh, make sure that you take into account all the delays that you may incur um, because of um, the administration and and again you know like there should be a lot of you know like control over this because you know, not everyone can say oh we're Making organic wine, if it's not, but uh, that was uh, that was a little bit uh, challenging. But you know, it, it's been a lot of uh, of fun. Um, one thing we did not anticipate, though, uh, was the shortage of paper and glass caused by the pandemic, because. Mm. In 2001, uh, and that delayed the production of label boxes, bottles. Uh, transportation was also affected. Um, it delayed things on the administrative side, also, uh, and that was probably the most challenging part. Um, and voila. And I had some knowledge of wine importation and exportation procedures, uh, and Thomas has a background in sales and distribution, but we had to start from the ground up. Sure, um, sure. I learned the importance <laughs> of patience during the pandemic, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned the design, and I don't want to be gauche, but like so many, so many new 
wine brands or the way people discover wine brands like does hang their hat on the design. Like they go to a store, they have no idea what they're looking for and they see a really great looking bottle. And you sort of, I don't want to say tapped into one of the best design firms. We know our friend, um, Anna Polanski's firm, Polanski and friends, which it's not a cheat because, because she's obviously, that's how you and I met and she's one of the best, but, um, (laughs) definitely helps quiet some of the competition when you're looking at all the bottles on a shelf. But why did you go? Well, I mean, I know why you went to Anna, but maybe tell people uh, who are listening why you went to her and not just why you went to her, but what the design process was like, what did you want to capture in the design of it? What did you want to um, telegraph to people who are just seeing, knowing nothing about the wine on a shelf in a store, let's say in America or the UK? Oh, yes. I mean, this is, this is easy. Uh, (laughs) She's the best. So no question that we were going to work with her, but also she's one of my best friends and it's a friend's project. I mean, everybody is a friend in the project. Uh, So I'm doing a little digression, but our importer in the US, uh, Robert Bradshaw, Kate Classic is a friend. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of uh, other friends involved in the, uh, we'll talk about the charity later, but Carolina Sevilla yeah. from the 5 Minute Foundation is a friend also. So it's a, it's a friend's thing, but yes, she's the best. So uh, I immediately thought of her food and beverage focus uh, design agency for the labels. Uh, the agency is called Polonsky and Friends. As you know, <laughs> I know, and I'm a fan. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we were all super excited to work together uh, on this because, again, it's a passion project. So, um, so we were drawn to images of uh, the early 20th, 20th century, the uh, Eau de Cologne labels from the 60s mm. and 70s. Um, with a French Mediterranean vibe found in iconic uh, films and fashion editorials from those decades. Um, uh, why, like the 70s? Well, it's a nod to uh, the fact that we were, uh, Thomas, Nicolas, and I were born in the 70s. This is our decade. <laughs> Let's go. Exactly. So uh, with Anna uh, and uh, and Claire uh, Dufournier, uh, mm-hmm. we had a mood board uh, in place. Um, so uh, the graphic designer who's playing on the project painted sun and seaside illustrations with watercolor. Soleil mm. means sun. In ancient French, uh, we played off this concept, showing the sun in different settings, uh, and uh, and and I was like really like brilliant, you know, like seeing it, um, um, seeing the big picture on this, and we really wanted to create our own contemporary version of this uh, vintage inspired designs. Um, so, I mean, I definitely invite uh, everybody to uh, to uh, visit our website or our Instagram account, soleilwines.com, to uh, to uh, to take a look. And uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I brought to a couple of parties this summer, and it just fit ah. fit right in. Um, yeah, they're great props. They're great props. They're great props for the table. You're drawn to it. It's light. It's refreshing. Um, And, you know, the design and and what you mentioned about the ocean, 
also ties into your messaging because I feel that wine brands that launch today, not just wine brands, but a lot of other CPG brands that, that launch no longer just about the product themselves. It's yeah. always tied to a larger message or the ones that I found. We just had Cafecita on the other week, which is about a, a women grown um, coffee roaster. And they work with uh, different roasters of and female farm farmers who grow coffee beans all over the world. So it's like great to see that type of messaging permeate through these products that were just for a while, just like they're just a product. And Filet yeah. is 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 in that camp as well. And I know that the um, environment is a huge part of what you do. And a lot of people think that, well, with wine, the terroir, it's like, you know, so working within the world of, of, of good environmentalism. That's not always the case with wine. So what did you want to say with your wine? What is the message that you're promoting and how does it go beyond just, you know, standing for something? And I, I, I know you mentioned um, five minute foundation as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's a long conversation, but uh, maybe I'll start with a few words uh, about the name. Uh, as, um, as I, uh, as I was saying, uh, Soleil means sun in ancient French, uh, but it's also the name of a lounge, a music lounge on the main road, main road to, Sorry, start again. The, um, it's also the name of a music lounge on the main road uh, to the beach in Montpellier, along mm. Route des Plages, this is what it's called, uh, where Thomas and I often hang out with our friends. Um, and I really like uh, that in the word soleil, there is soul, which nods to the brand's philosophy of doing good producing organic wines and helping to create awareness around the coast that resonates with us, uh, like uh, ocean preservation. Um, we grew up, you know, like near the Mediterranean. Um, uh, Thomas um, is a kite surfer. Uh, I spend a lot of time at the beach. <laughs> uh, I like sailing. Uh, so it, it totally made sense. It's, it's really in our culture. Um, and Vin de Bonté is a, is a clin d'oeil or reference to an ancient saying in the wine world when uh, it means that when a grape reaches its ideal maturity, it's in plenitude de bonté. Um, so, so of course, it's, we also want to say that the wine is good. No? So it's, uh, bonté means goodness. Um, and, uh, but goodness refers to the fact also that our company uses a percentage of its profits to assist organizations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the Five Minute Foundation um, by sponsoring it, but also by like working with our crew and our friend uh, on the beach with this organization that implement beach cleanups. Mm. Done it with um, with Five Minute Foundation. It's our main partner, but uh, we did it in New York with uh, Jamaica Bay. Uh, Park Conservancy, uh, GBRPC, uh, in the Rockaways. In mm-hmm, June. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it with um, uh, Reef Conservation in Mauritius in April. We have another one, another beach cleanup uh, next week in Montpellier, in southern France. I'll be right there. I'm getting on the plane. Exactly. Right? And we want them to be fun. So once 
everybody is done with the cleanup, we reward the workers with a glass or several glasses of Soleil wines. Mm. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, in uh, the drinking age, naturally. <laughs> of course, of course, which varies from country to country. And now I know at the Brooklyn cleanup, the Rockaway one, you had this rooftop apero. And yeah. I know that that is a huge part of the culture. I myself am drawn to a little bit of a snack, a little bit of a wine. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, it's it can happen at any time afternoon, was- but maybe maybe late, late morning on the weekend. Um, we prefer uh, Sunday nights because they're smooth and, you know, it's still the weekend and uh, in the early evening. And that's what we did at the fabulous uh, Rockaway Hotel in the Rockaways that you may be fam- familiar with. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a beautiful rooftop uh, overlooking the ocean. So everyone gathered after the cleanup there for a glass of soleil and some uh, and some bites, some light bites. And we we really danced all night because, uh, I mean, all evening, because, um, because a friend of mine came with his band. They happen to be his family. Um, it's Charles Harper from the New mm-hmm. York Brass Band. Mm-hmm. And they performed on this rooftop at sunset. We were drinking Soleil. It was ideal. A fantastic memory. Mm, I mean, listen, this wine, summer, music all go together. Paint me a little picture of the soundtrack when you're sipping and snacking. What do you have on the stereo? I promise, but you should come to the next one. We're going to do it again next year in the Rockaways. I'll be right there. I'll hop on a plane. Um, (laughs) Well, listen, everything looks so bright. The future for Soleil looks fantastic. Um, What are you hoping to see with the wine? How are you hoping to grow? Um, what's your ultimate goal? I know it's a friend project, but when a friend project starts in a place like this and has such natural success, it's it's hard not to think about the future. Yes, uh, of course. And we have, you know, like uh, plenty of ideas. Uh, we're like still brainstorming. You know, our importer asked us if we would consider doing an orange wine for the mm. line. Why not? We're, we're in, in the midst of like, you know, thinking of uh, uh, our, I mean, what's next uh, for the brand. Um, and we also, we also want to continue to partner with uh, the nonprofits that we've been uh, partnering with uh, because this is, this is really important to us. Um, we want to, to be in several countries that um, sort of, uh, reflect the the Soleil, uh, the, the, the Soleil, you know, like uh, ambience, and we are in the Balearic Islands, for example, in Spain. Mm. Yeah, we're in Mauritius. We're, but we're in other places where they also have a coastline and that are perfect for uh, for Soleil. Uh, I mean, it's not yeah. quantities everywhere, but you know, the Netherlands, Belgium. It's, I uh, mean, you're, what you're like? Where do I want to go on vacation? Do they have a beach? I can clean it up. I can write that off. It, it all works together, right? <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen. Congratulations on everything. If people want to get the wine or to follow along or to see the designs, where can they go? How can they get um, involved with the brand? So uh, we are very well distributed in the U.S. Um, 
can go to our website. Uh, a lot of stores are listed and restaurants. Um, um, I mean, if you're in New York, for example, you can go to uh, Convive Wines, uh, but there are like many other stores. Um, if you, you can also order the wines from wine.com, depending uh, on the states where you are, or you can, you know, like uh, sip on a glass of uh, Soleil Vin de Bonté Le Rosé or Le Rouge at Benoit, Alain Ducasse's uh, Bistro in New York, <laughs> for example. And you can always reach out to us uh, if you are in a specific location and you're looking for, for the wines. We'll be happy to answer your message on Instagram. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you right now, they shipped to California because I wound up at my house. So. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, listen, thank you so much. It's so good to see you. Thanks for coming back on the show. And uh, looking forward to enjoying more of the wine soon with some friends. It was such it was such a pleasure. I hope we'll have the, um, an occasion to celebrate with a glass of Soleil together. In a, lot the- of be- a lot of beach out here in Los Angeles. So you just let me know. We'll come clean up here. Uh, we have another song from the archives and then a live performance from Sunny and the Sunsets here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
My name is Brandon Boyd, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Sonny, welcome to Snacky Tunes, coming all the way from Greece. I think you're the first conversation we had with anyone from uh, the, you know, the, the motherland of antiquities. Yes, I'm happy to be that first person, the pioneer. Just real quick, what's your meze life right now? You uh, late, late lunches, you know, a little black coffee for breakfast. What are we talking about? Plus, um, my wife and I are. Uh, have made it our agenda to just um, try as many beaches as possible on uh, on different islands. We're just in mm. search of the most magical water that the planet has to offer. So our our itinerary is sort of. I'm even keeping like a a Greece water chart for future reference of what the beaches are like, what the water is like, what the currents are and the salt and all the things we're, we're it's, it's it's getting weird but it's fantastic i mean i have fond memories of being on ski and eating grecian uni out of like a little shack and i wish i'd kept any Stayed sort of there. log because well i just I'm, well maybe uh but i there's no you couldn't pay me to make a map and how to get back to that one location yes yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, um, the water is, is so amazing. I, I think it's like the water in that movie, uh, in the pool in that movie Cocoon. Mm. You, you feeling younger and younger every day? So I don't think I look younger, but I'm, <laughs> dude, yes, I'm taking like bigger and bigger dives off the diving board. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I easy. knew you. You grew up around water because you grew up in the the gorgeous uh, beach seaside community in Bolinas, California. Isn't that right? Somewhat. I officially grew up in Fairfax. Um, my parents. I was born in Bolinas, but um, mm-hmm. they were my parents were actually just kind of what you could do back then. You could just kind of live in live on a houseboat one year and then live in the city one year and then live in Linus one year. So they were kind of itinerant within the Bay area. Uh, but close. I, I definitely was like a um, West coast, you know, North, North, NorCal child. Um, I mean, it's such a beautiful area and so idyllic. And I knew, I know the new album self-awareness through macrame is inspired a lot by California and, you know, it just came out a few weeks ago and definitely captures a bit of like this endless summer California vibe. Um, okay. What, what did, what did, what did you want to, why did you want to put that into an album? Why did you want to make, make that sort of the central theme for what you were, were focusing on for your latest release? Um. Well, I don't know that I consciously wanted to do that. You know, I usually, I get this question kind of a lot, like, why did you decide to write such and such? And um, <laughs> my, uh, my process 
it's not like that. It's I, I'm kind of in the dark um, most of the time when I'm making songs and such, and um, and and that's where I should be. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of I don't know why I'm writing things in my notebook that I'm writing or playing the chords on my guitar that I'm playing. I'm just kind of going with whatever's um, coming out, and there might be a point sometimes about you know halfway through a record where i it starts to reveal itself for what it is and then and then i might apply mm. a little more con conscious um movement towards that direction so if 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 i happen to be writing you know more countrified type of songs which i do um because I'm on a country kick and I'm listening to country music or for whatever reasons mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. coming out that way. It's not until I'm like five or six songs in that I'm like, Oh, oh, oh okay. I'm, I'm making this kind of, this music is what's happening. And, um, and then I apply maybe a little more conscious effort to make, to making it, to making more of it, to, to, to sort of fill out a record and, and, and have the record have some sort of consistency, you know, from beginning to end. So it's kind of the long answer to your question. But no, I mean, it's interesting. To, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say to have the themes reveal themselves in the first part of the creative process. And then yeah. to go with those I themes that have been established in the second part, do you find a difference in like the first and the second batch of songs or do they wind up getting, shuffled together in the final track listing or arrangement yeah shuffled together and um it all sort of tends to seem like it well it seems by the end like it was a conscious effort you know just mm. like a, a <laughs> just like a novel or a movie or something you know if you you know ask a novelist like why did you set out to write this book about you know you might it you know maybe there are some novelists that had it all figured out from the beginning. John Steinbeck was going to be like, I wanted to follow the, you know, migrant workers from Oklahoma. So I, you know, mm -hmm, but I think mm -hmm. all, I don't, so I, I don't mean that that doesn't exist, but I think for a lot of art, it's, um, it has to be a process of sort of discovery at first and not knowing what you want to make and, and, and sort of, you're sort of, um, if anything, you're kind of pulling away um, the conscious artifice and looking for more what, what's really real. And and as you sort of uncover that, then the art is revealed. Does that make sense? The Absolutely. Sort of, no, yeah. no, no. It's just um, I like to believe that there's stuff out in the ether that's changing all the time. And when you sit down for the, your creative process in that moment, some of that what's out there is what you latch onto and you pull it in and, and use it as inspiration, even if you weren't aware of it when you were starting. Yes. Um, I like this. It's kind of uh, like, right. uh, I've, yeah, I, I've called it, um, you're kind of like an archeologist of the subconscious, mm. you know, you're sort of digging around for what's real, you know, um, yeah, it's no, hard because no, no. you, you know you, there's a lot of there's a lot of crap in your mind. You have to kind of get past to get <laughs> to re, to get to the real, you know. 
Well, the worst thing is when you realize that crap in your mind is also crap in other people's mind. And you're like, oh, I got to get through a whole bunch of stuff that's being fed to me before I can get to my own good stuff. Yes, that's very that that is um, very accurate. Yeah. Um, it's tough. All right, let's. Yeah, um, let's hear a song. Uh, first song you're going to play for us is Waiting. What's the story behind it? This, um, I was kind of observing my teenage son during the pandemic. You know, there was um, a lot of downtime in his room. Mm -hmm. Teenagers are, mm -hmm. are, are already sort of absconding off to their rooms anyway. And then the, the, the pandemic heightened it. And um, I just was kind of observing that perhaps him and his friends were processing the pandemic kind of like a uh, like it was a timeout. And they mm. were kind of waiting for um, action to start up again. Um, you know, maybe teenagers weren't alone in that, but that happened to be what was happening in my household. So <laughs> I think I started um, kind of just writing poetry about that. And he he also was into fashion and, and making and, you know, sewing things. Him and his friends, you know, had like sewing machines mm. and they're ma making stuff during the pandemic. And um, so I that's why there's kind of lines like, uh, you know, have my needle and I have my thread. I'm making my exit clothes in bed. So it's kind of like he's, he's, he was in his room. He's, you know, sitting in bed a lot doing zoom classes through high school and sewing. And it was kind of a time of, uh, of waiting, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Well, here we go. Sunny in the sunsets waiting live here on snacky tunes on heritage radio network.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We're here with Sonny of Sunny in the Sunsets. And right before the break, you mentioned the pandemic and how that inspired waiting. Um, you know, obviously a lot of music that's coming out now was either inspired directly during the pandemic or the time after. Um, and while that's a year or two ago, you know, or even th- three years at this point, some of those themes and feelings still feel so relevant today. Why do you think there is like this hangover of emotion from that era? I don't know. I mean, maybe speculate that it's not so much a hangover. It's just that we're, we're, we're still processing things Mm. and we're so used to immediacy in this world that, that when Mm -hmm. something takes longer, we're like, geez, why is it taking so long? But you know, maybe two or three years isn't that long to process such a worldwide global, you know, shutdown event. So um, it it might be creeping into songs and and art Mm -hmm. for decades to come. You know, I Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, It certainly has had still had a lot of impact on me because coming out of it, I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but, there was a uh, there was a there was almost like a surge in expectation of of um, just getting right back into regular life and and being productive. Oh yeah, and, yes. And, yep. um, uh, all of a sudden, it went from like you know a drought to like uh, just this sort of geyser and of 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 to do list stuff and um, and obligations and and uh, some of them were you know maybe things we want, we're waiting to do, but other things were like, well, I got, I, my plate was overfilled the last couple of years, way, way more than pre pandemic. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so there was some sort of domino effect or, or I don't know if that's the right metaphor, but, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sometimes when there's traffic, and you can't see why. And it's like the ghost of an accident that was already cleared up like, you know, two hours mm-hmm. prior, but there's yeah. still this weird vibe. Sort of, yeah. Vibe and this weird um, slowdown where the accident was, you know, mm-hmm. um, feels like that in society right now. It's like we're, uh, we're still backed up or something. Yeah. You know, I, I think when I was listening to this album and, and, and reading about your music, you, you tap into this undercurrent that seems to exist in California. Cause you hear like folk music in California or, you know, country in California, like, Oh, it's, it's going to be like happy and things like that. But it, I've lived here now for so many years that there is this like darker current or story that runs throughout the state that you seem to be able to tap into at times. Um, for people who well, don't that's my, live here, <laughs> you oh. know, like, no, I was going to say, like, you, you tap into it. And I think it's like you do a good job of capturing for people who may have never spent a good amount of time in California. And just wanted to know, like, why you're drawn to that, that side of, of, of this area. Well, saying dark, saying dark things through sort of feel good music uh-huh. is, it's like mm-hmm. my favorite kind of art, you know, it's my, it's, and, um, <laughs> it's my favorite kind of music, you know, I mean, um, and, and, and many people did it 
to great effect for me, you know, um, from whatever, from Helter Skelter to, to half of, you know, reggae or whatever, you know, almost everything that Mm -hmm. Bob Marley ever, ever sang, you know, it's like, it, it sounds like, uh, um, something you want to dance to and, and, and makes you feel good, but the message is, um, can be quite dark or, or cutting. That's my favorite kind of art. So that's why that, I would also say, I would also say having spent some time on the East coast and, uh, um, California has a way of, of, of sort of being a positive on the surface, you know, everybody's kind of nice on the surface and kind of, uh, jagged, uh, just below the surface and a little treacherous. Mm-hmm. The East coast has a beautiful way of being really honest on the surface. You know, people tell each other to screw off and stuff, but there's like maybe slightly under the surface. It's actually sometimes more brotherly in my, in my I totally agree. Oh yeah. So hundred percent. So as a, as a product of California, total product of California, maybe there's something to that in the, the way I make music that can be kind of, you know, fun and saccharine in some ways, um, melodically, but like um, carrying kind of a dark, darker tale or message. Uh, it could be, yeah. could be something that could be Californian. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, um, I, 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 I feel it. Um, let's, uh, let's hear another song. Um, apropos, I think the next one is called Shadow. What's the story behind this track? Yeah, well, that's a perfect example because it's no. uh, it kind of talking. I mean, the first line is sort of a warning that there's a darkness coming, you know, mm-hmm. which I do believe mm-hmm. in, a, in a way. I believe there's some kind of global trial is is coming <laughs> or perhaps it's <laughs> on us. I don't know. It doesn't mean it's all bad. It just means that it, it's going to be um, um, an interesting time that's going to demand a lot of um, change from people but but, but uh, so it, it shadow kind of starts with that and then it it sort of morphs into shadow being a positive thing almost being kind of like your um, best friend the shadow it follows you it's always there for you it's always there till you die you know um it's kind of the maybe one of the one things in this journey in life that is with you from the beginning to the very end just like your breath or something uh mm. so it kind of it kind of kind of starts as an ominous warning and and sort of morphs into um embracing it as as a positive Mm, i love it um all right well here we go sunny and the sunsets playing shadow live here on snacky tunes on heritage radio network Thank you. 
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Sunny, and we opened up the show with the song Pink Cake, and it's rare that we have a literal song about food. And I'd love to hear, <laughs> you know, after all these years of doing the show, you think you'd have more, but I'd love to hear the story behind it. And, um, you know, it's such a great visual and, and the title itself brings a vision to mind, but what was the inspo behind it and what made you want to turn that moment into a song? Well, um, this song, interestingly enough, was is just a collage of overheard sentences that I heard. Mm. I, I I overheard somebody talking about how their mom got them a pink cake, but they weren't when they got home, the cake was there, but their mom had to go out and then they had to leave. So they had to eat the cake like in the cab. And it, so I was just <laughs> thought that was kind of funny because it was like this, yeah. this, you know, perfect, beautiful gift and thoughtful thing that, that just got, you know, turned into chaos and uh, was kind of cheapened by, you know, not being able to eat the cake with the person you love or whatever eating mm. in the cab and and, and then um i i overheard i've, I've written a couple songs of things of, of of that i've overheard but um i overheard somebody say it was just they were like i know i'm a burden i know i'm a burden but i just i'm so uncertain i have so many questions mm. you know and i was like that is a great i love I love that line, so I wrote it down and it and turned it into the chorus. It's kind of um, I you know it it's not an autobiographical, literally literal autobiographical song, but it does ha it did capture kind of a feeling that I've had at different times when I've been feeling kind of sad, sackish, and mm -hmm. and um, not at my best, and 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 just feeling confused in romance or, or, or just in life and feeling like, um, you know, a weight or whatever. And, uh, so the lines that I overheard just, I just felt kind of drawn to them. And that was one of those songs that, that the lines just, I, I almost just writing them down verbatim and then they, practically in chronological order and then they fit right into the chords that I was messing around with and I thought well I'm not going to question this song <laughs> it's it's mm. it's come together too too um seamlessly so but also tapping into that theme going back to the pandemic stuff but this idea of wanting to have an experience with someone yeah. and then and then just getting obliterated yeah. yeah just winding up having to do it on your own is just talking about pulling out a, uh, a theme out of a overheard sentence that fits into like what you've been working on. And it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those, those kinds of magical things happen, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, when you're, like I said, when, 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 when you kind of don't know what you're making, um, it's kind of the time when the most magic happens, I think. And because that's kind of when you're the most uh, receptive to 
you know, whatever you want to call it, ancient, you know, spiritual messages in the ether or whatever. Um, when you don't know what you're making, you're really, your sort of antennas are opened up to receive. And um, so, you, yeah, I think you, you I tend to receive really magical things at that time. Once I kind of know too much about what I'm making, it's almost like the, the whatever you, the fishing nets aren't, aren't work aren't are starting to close, you know, because all of a sudden yeah. you're looking for something very specific, and then that's that's quite hard. That's like looking for a like you know this puzzle piece rather than being receptive to just everything. So. Um, you know, both, both situations happen, but that's why it's like the longer you can stay in that uncomfortable place where you don't actually know what you're making or what its purpose is, the more magic, you know, the more lightning you're going to kind of capture. I mean, it's, yeah, you never know what's, what you're going to capture and how it's going to inspire you and what it's going to turn into. And, you know, as, as you look towards the immediate future, I know you're you're island hopping in Greece, but with plans to return to the state in California, do you look forward to a bit of a homecoming and and coming back to to you know at least where you spent some of your youth and 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 finding out what's what's happening back in this place where you grew up? No. Um. <laughs> you're like no thanks, America. I mean, I, I I don't see myself. Well, I don't see myself in any way, particularly. But I, I, I'm not saying that I want to be a expatriate or whatever people are called that leave America. But but um, but I don't feel any. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind living in Greece. <laughs> I've been yeah. looking at ways to do it um, for somebody who doesn't have you know much money to throw around. Um, I don't feel a real need to stay in America or stay um, uh, besides, besides that my mom and dad are there and my kids going sure. to college. So I, you know, I, I don't have to shuttle home quick to raise my son. He's off at school now, but like, yeah, I can, I live here. I would love to, if you guys want to help me. <laughs> I mean, listen, just uh, look, tourism is big there. I think you can start busking. Maybe um, maybe you could run a music boat charter island hopping company. I don't know. I'm just brainstorming. I'm just brainstorming. But um, there's a lot of like um, sort of houses that were that are kind of. They're not ruins, like official ruins that you would visit. Oh, but yes. they're clearly Italy like, they're did that kind of too. Like, they're just kind of half-built stone houses yeah. that look abandoned. I could easily just squat in one of those for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, I, I, listen, like, I mean, they maybe worked you for bring... Leonard Cohen. He, you know, like... Yeah, he did it. I mean, listen, you, you wouldn't be the first uh, American artist to escape America. And then turn that, I mean, imagine what, what you'd be able to capture in that sort of, if you tap into that like vein of history and tradition of just being an expat creative in Greece yes. or anywhere. Let's in Europe. do it. 
Um, well, listen, uh, I want to make Great. sure we have enough time for one song, but uh, if people want to get the new album, if they want to see when you're going to hit the road or get any merch or check out any of your other albums or reissues, you have so much great work. Where can they go? How can they follow along? I find Bandcamp to be the most artist-favorable of all the places you can kind of go these days. So Rocks in Your Head Bandcamp um, is the place I usually send people. Um, And uh, besides that, you know, the internet brings you – the internet figures – gets you gets everybody there now <laughs> yeah I people agree. sort of figure, uh, out, figure out where to where to go where to find where to find yeah you just sort of like go to the internet and however you internet yourself uh that works for you <laughs> um so uh last song we have i believe is called the application which you might be doing for greek citizenship sooner than we think but what is the story behind this song and 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 uh the meaning of it well this one was a couple records ago but um it's not on the new one but uh yeah it was um oh just a very kind of like a little you know comic book tale filling out the application to become a human being and the um Hmm. the the, the, the lady that is handing out the application just, you know, puts it on a stack with all the others and then go out onto the street and you you think your phone is your pack of cigarettes and your pack of cigarettes is your phone and you're just a big mess, you know. You're just <laughs> a, not, not quite um, handling, um, handling things because life is, is hard. And um, it's hard sometimes to feel 100% present and human and all that stuff. So it's 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 really a song about that. Mm. Not, uh, not too much more, really. Um, I think at some point in the song, the character kind of stops. He just wants to fill out the application to not be a human being or not be <laughs> somebody's, somebody's um, uh you know, in a relationship, just to just to be completely free of all of all of those um, expectations. So it, the song kind of comes full circle by the end. Mm, I love it. I would like to well, fill out an application to not be anything. It's a great yeah application just, to fill out. Just, just the boat captains checking out the different waters of the world. Uh, yeah. Sunny, thank you so much. Uh, big shout out to George. For helping set Thank this you, up. And um, here we go. Sunny and the Sunsets live on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network. I let my telephone and answer my cigarette. 
Snacky Tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.